with that. Well, how many of you know that the last couple years have been really chaotic around this world? I mean, it seems like each and every day there's something new, and it's just, just chaos kind of blown up. We're seeing it now with, with what we're in our world, where we're seeing inflation start to rise, and, and I think we're going to start seeing the next couple months unemployment start to rise. We're going to start seeing things get in very uncomfortable for a lot of us. And I actually think just from what I've been reading and seeing is that we're going to start seeing some crazy stuff financially happen in our world. And it, I think it's time that we kind of look at things like that. And I think it's time that we understand as believers what God has called us to do. You know, we've just come out of a, a, a series on times and seasons where we were talking about those in the last days, those times and seasons. And as God prepares, I mean, you know, our world is not going to get better. The, the, when, we, when we closer we move to Christ coming back, closer he moves to coming, things in this world are going to start to gravitate and become steadily worse. That's why it's important to, to be in your word, to be in prayer, to be, to be seeking after God, to stand fast, to learn those things. But I also think, too, that we need to, as believers, put this in place in our own lives. I think, as we've seen with COVID, we've seen over the last couple of years, things get a little out of hand. Our schedules, our finances, just in our lives in general. We're constantly on the run. We're constantly on the go, going here and going there. I know in my own life, God's been dealing with me about my schedule because I never seem to, to put enough margin. I want to get things accomplished and do things, and I'm kind of a nerd that way. I've got to check it off my list, and God's really been dealing with me about having margin in my life for no other reason is that that margin gives us an opportunity to hear from God, and when God begins to move, we can hear and move with him. If we're so busy and we're so out there chasing after all of the little things of this world, we have a tendency of missing those, those moments with God. And God speaks to us each and every day. When we're so busy, we miss that opportunity because we're not, we're not tuning into his frequency and listening to him. So today, my message title is called Breathing Room, just plain and simple. My definition is that that space between our current pace of life and our limits. How many of you know each one of us have limits? Amen. Each one of us have set our own limits. We won't go this far. And no matter what you do, if you don't think you have limits, the, the world, the culture that we have in will, will drive you to setting limits. Fear will drive us to setting limits. We won't go that far anymore. How many people have, have changed their lifestyles because of COVID? And they walk around in fear over everything else and it's dictated to them but God wants you wants to lead us not with fear not with this but he wants to lead us in life that we have that breathing room we have that opportunity that we can hear him but he wants us to live a life in peace see I think what we miss out with all the busy schedules with all the financial issues that, you know, we're in this culture today, people are working two and three jobs just to sustain themselves financially. Yet they don't have any margin in their life, so there, there really is no peace because they're constantly having to work to constantly make up for the, for the money they have spent. And I think life is just better when we leave ourselves some breathing room. Yeah. 
You know, it's noted that, that in the midst of when we overset our schedules and we, we have those financial issues, our stress levels go up. How many can testify to that? I can tell in my own life. I've spent too much, and so now I've got to make sure, I've got to figure out ways that I, I, I've got to pay these bills. A few years back, I just dictated myself, no more, no more credit card. I'm going to live off of my means. And this, this is not about, message day is not about living debt free. It is about setting limits in your life that you're, this is what you're going to do, and I'm not going to move any further into that. Also, when we get our, our schedules and our finances get out of whack, our focus becomes very narrow. Doesn't it, doesn't it happen that way? When, when our finances, and we're, we're upside down in our finances, our focus becomes narrow on us. We lose sight of who Christ is in the midst of all of this. We lose sight of other people that God has placed in our lives that we can minister to. We lose sight of what we're doing here and what we're called to earth for. See, I don't believe that earth is our home. It's, this is our assignment. I believe heaven is our home. And God has called us to, to greater things than just that. But our focus needs to, will, will begin to, to narrow. Some of the, I see today some younger parents feel conflicted because they get to work and they're having to work these crazy hours and yet they feel, they're, they feel the stress because they've got family at home and they want to be home to take care of their children, but yet they've got to work to continue to make up the, the bills and be able to pay the bills. See, I think our money issues are more about our spiritual issues than anything than we really want to give credit to. It's really more, as we drill down on, it's really more of a heart issue. It's really more of a heart issue. That God intended our lives to have room to breathe financially. Do you realize that 78% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck? 78%. One financial crisis. And we saw that in COVID. But our government began to give money and bail people out and, and help that. that. That won't happen on the next go-around. We're in the inflation. We're in the crisis financially in this nation and in the world because of things like that that they did. They, they don't have the, the breathing room themselves to be able to do that, to take care of everyone. And I think there could be a, a time of, you know, of catastrophic financial impact on this country and this world. If we're, not, if we're not listening to him. The issue is that we live above our means. So many people in our country, you know, they want the good things, and so they get the credit cards, and all of a sudden they pile on the, the debt, and then those bills have to be paid each and every month, and the stress level just keeps pouring out and pouring out. But Jesus has a different plan. You know that Jesus talked more about money matters in Scripture than he talked about heaven or hell? In Luke alone, 16 out of the 38 parables he taught, he referenced money. See, I think money issues, when we begin to talk about, are probably make us all feel uncomfortable. We get feeling guilty. We feel the pressure of where we're at. We, we begin to put that upon ourselves. And I don't think that's where really where God wants us to live. He wants us to live in freedom. He went to the cross that we could have that freedom. And all these issues that we run are directly related to our heart. And it's, those become more and more problematic for each and every one of us. 
So I want to look at a few things today. If you'll turn with me to uh, 1 Timothy. I love the book of Timothy, if any of you know. Uh, but it, it is really one of those great books because it's Paul sowing into that next generation. It's Paul sowing into a young leader in Timothy and sowing into his life and pouring into his life. How many of you know God's called each one of us to do that? But because of these situations and these problems we've allowed to come up into our life, we don't have that freedom to be able to do it. We don't have that margin in our lives. Listen to what he says here in verse 6 of chapter 6. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Contentment means to be happy right where things are, right where you're at. How many can you answer of yourself, are you content today? Are you happy right where you're at? Are you stressed out, maxed out because of things that are going on in your life that you feel, and we all feel it, I'm in the same boat, we all feel embarrassed because of the things we allowed ourselves to get into and the things that we've allowed ourselves to get up, to go through. He goes on in verse 7 and says, for we brought nothing into this world and we can't take nothing out of it. We lose the fact that, that this is just stuff that we're acquiring. Yeah, you want to realize how much you've acquired? Go to move. <laughs> and you realize how many things we've stuffed in closets. We're, we're preparing for a move and, and here at the church and we've been going through closets after closets. Like, why did we buy this? Why did we have this? And, and it's just stuff we acquired. I, I know at home we're in that same situation. He goes on in verse 8 to say, but if we have food, this is Paul's home, but if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. How many of you are content with just food and clothing? Verse 9, he says, Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into the ruin and destruction. See, I don't think God is, is angry at people that are believers that are wealthy and rich. I think he gets, I think he, where we get offline is why he gave us those blessings in the first place. And that was to seed into this world, to seed into things that, that we can move the needle for the Lord in, on where we're at in our life. See, I look at a man like Truett Cathy who developed Chick-fil-A and the things that he left behind and, and, the, and the things that he did in, in this world to kind of help, he, you know, they, they created scholarships for their employees to be able to go on and, and go up the next level. He, he, none of his facilities or, or operations are really franchised. They fund everything, but they find someone that they know that they can trust, that they can, they can mentor and pour into their lives, and they run it as an owner-operator for them. What a blessing that is. That's totally different than anyone, any other business we see in this country. They shut down. They didn't even shut down. They didn't open on Sundays, and they still don't open on Sundays, but yet you realize they gross more revenue per store than any other of the fast food restaurants in our nation. Why? And it's not just because he's, he's leading the way. It is because they learned what to do with their finances and how God, why God wanted to make them that way and why God wanted to bless them. So many of us, fall into that temptation and we and what it does is it gets us off off kilter what God really has in store for us. 
He finishes up here in verse 10. says, for the love of, for the love of money. How many of you know that's misquoted all the time in the world? What do they always say? For, what was that? Like, so many of us think that, it, that, it, it's, that, that money is the root of all evil, but it's not. It's the love of money. And what that means is it's an internal thing instead of an external thing. I know of a, a, a bunch of Christians that God has blessed with great wealth. But they have not let wealth control their lives. They've not allowed wealth to run them. And what they've done is they, they've learned how to balance that out. They learned internally what to do and how God can lead them. Listen to what one of, one of the individuals in the Bible that was a great leader and a great man, but he writes a book that tells us about his destruction and what led to that. This is Solomon in Ecclesiastes 2.10. It says, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. Solomon had anything he wanted, took anyone he wanted, and created everything. And if you read the accomplishments, they were massive. But he was constantly busy. God warned him about this and his wife not to take any foreign wives, and yet he had a lot of wives. And those wives swayed him away from his walk with God. And at the end of Ecclesiastes, he tells us, at the end, he said that life is just meaningless. Someone that's lost their walk and lost their, 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 the margin that they had that God really wanted him to take hold of. So there's some things I want to look at in the book of Ecclesiastes. When, when, and this is Solomon telling us himself that when we don't leave margin, so the first one is, the more I have, the more I want. How many of you have ever been to that point? God has blessed you. Maybe you were living high, and God, you know, I, I remember my days in Miami, and God blessed me with a great job and, and the, the income that was coming in. I just wanted more. He t it says here in Ecclesiastes 5.10, those who love money will never have enough. And I'll be honest with you, I never did. I didn't realize the immaturity in my walk that I had. And I didn't realize the grip that the money had by doing it. Why? Because it ensnared me slowly. He goes on, number two, the more I have, the less I'm satisfied. And I'll be honest with you, that is a true statement. We can keep acquiring things over and over again, but it's just things. He goes on in, in Ecclesiastes 5.10, it says, how meaningless I think that wealth brings true happiness. How many have you ever tried to, to get happiness out of the things you want and buy? Or maybe you're trying to fill a void and we're purchasing things. When my father died, I've told the story before, I went on those stupid kicks and I spent money that I shouldn't have. And I acquired three, two other vehicles. And it's like, I look back later and I'm like, why? I only drive one at a time. And I acquired things I shouldn't have acquired. Why? It was just trying to fill the void that God was trying to fill for me but I was locking him out. He goes on for the fourth, third one, says, the more I have, the more I realize that it doesn't meet my needs. And he says here in verse 11, so what good, wealth, so what good is wealth, except perhaps to watch it slip through our fingers? When we base our life off of just that and that alone, he's telling us it's just gonna slip through our fingers. The fourth one says, the more I have, the more I have to worry about. How many of you know that? Okay? When I, in South Florida, when I built my first home down there, 
I mortgaged my, I, I would always tell everyone, I mortgaged my income for two years. And at the time, I thought it was really smart to do that because I took a smaller mortgage. But then I realized that's, that wasn't healthy. That wasn't what God wanted me to do. And I felt constantly squeezed in. And you know what he tells us here in verse 12? But seldom do the rich get a good night's sleep. Why? It's because of those things that they, that they did or they do. But God has a design for us in margin in, his, in our lives. He has a design for each one of you that he wants you. And I want you to listen to this, this portion of Psalms here as the psalmist begins to tell us in, in Psalm 62. It says, yes, my soul, find rest in God. How many of you should stop? Stop each day and try to find rest in God. Or do we have those prayers that are like microwavable prayers? It's, yes, Lord, thank you very much. Good day. Have a good day. And we go on. Amen. So many of us, we get so busy, we forget to spend that time with him. We forget to spend that time in his presence. And you know what I found as I've gotten older? In his presence, I find his rest. In his presence, I find his peace. He goes on in verse 6, says, Truly, he is my rock, my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. I, I think this, these few chapters of Psalms needs to be written in a prayer for each one of us. Each and every day to remind us that, that Christ is my rock. He's my salvation. He's my fortress. No matter what I go through, I will not be shaken. And what happens is when we, we don't build that margin or we, go, we overextend ourselves, what we're doing is we're stepping outside the guidelines that he has given us. It goes on in verse 7 to remind us again, my salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock. How many of you know the income we have is not dependent on what we do. I think it's dependent on who God is in our life. And God has blessed us with that. Sometimes we, get, we forget that and we think it's our money, it's our income. And we really, by doing that, we're, we're the ones that are going to control it. And I think one day we're, we're going to, we see that when we realize that God has blessed us and we're the caretaker and how he wants us to take care of those, situ those things. He goes on in verse 8, says, Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. Surely the lowborn are but a breath. The highborn are but a lie. If weighed on the balance, they are nothing together. They are only a breath. Do not trust in exhortation. Do not, what he's saying here is, do not allow us to manipulate situations to gain income. I've seen too many people that have tried to do that with their resumes, and they've lied about where they've done and their education. And, we, and some of them, we've seen, we've seen them lose their jobs over it. But we try to manipulate the situation to get what we think is right. How many, we, we, we pray for something, but then we want to go around God and say, okay, if I can just do this, I know God wants me to have this, but if you don't really know and you have not hit your knees and seek after God, trouble begins to follow. And what we learn to find in him 
is that the times when we, when we want something so bad and we're refusing not to seek after God, we really begin in that point of exhortation. We begin to, to manipulate situations so it turns around for us. And then we say, oh, see, God really wanted me to be there. And actually, we haven't sought him. We just tried to manipulate those things. Or put vain hope in stolen goods. Though your riches increase, do not set your heart on them. So what should we have our heart set on, church? This, this is it's not just a, a, a sermon or a message on, on finances. It's a sermon on our heart. So what should we put our heart on? I've got just three quick things here. It says here, the first one is set your heart on giving, not getting. I was listening to a, a podcast the other day, and the guy running the podcast is, is, I mean, he's got hundreds of millions of dollars. He's not a Christian. But I, th I think in his background there is, the person he was talking to was, but in his background he realizes he understands who his wealth came from. And so he said someone gave, talked to him and said, because he talks about giving away what, God, what, what you have received and just be able to continue to give it, begin to give it to other people. And he said he had someone confront him one day and said, I can't do that. There is no joy in me doing that. And he said, what you haven't done is you haven't given enough. Keep giving and watch what God begins to do. His thing was keep giving and watch what things begin to happen when you give away the things that we have. See, I think when we're talking about these things that we control, it's not just money, it's our time. It's our ability. So many of us sitting here today have a talent that God's trying to draw out of you, but we refuse to allow that talent to be used because we're so busy with other things in our life. It just becomes one more thing. And it's not about having one more thing. It is about coming before you and honoring God or coming before God and honoring him with the gifts that he has given us. Well, pastor, you just don't understand. I work a full-time job. I have kids. Yes, I do. I, I owned a business for a number of years and still came here part-time every afternoon for four, three to four hours and would do the things that God called me to do. Why? It's because that's what he had gifted me with to help and to do. Each one of us have given a gift. We have that time that we can sow into other people around us. Think about the young people in, in your neighborhood. I, I listened to Andy Stanley, Charles Stanley's son, if some of you do not, not know. But Andy Stanley talks about that there was a gentleman in his father's church as a child on his teenage years that took him under his wing and mentored him. He was a, just a big businessman in town, to get his time was like really way above anyone that could be able to pay for it. Yet he took his time and would meet with him weekly to mentor him. Not just on spiritual, his dad had that covered. He met with him on, on issues of just life in general and how he was to plan out his life, how he was to walk out, like what he wanted to accomplish. See, God's downloaded our, his DNA in us. He's given us giftings. He's given us desires. And sometimes what we do is we mess those desires up because we, our mind's not thinking on him. It's thinking on the things of the world and what I can accomplish or gather more. But when we think on him, focus, those desires can, can spring up life in us. And Andy Stanley talks about how that turned him and changed him, you know, and what God really wanted to do for him. He's gone on. He, did not, he didn't feel that he needed to be his father's successor in, in their megachurch. 
So God sent him out, and he began to, to minister to the young families and the young generation in Atlanta, and where his church just exploded and blew up. Why? It's because God called him to something different. And if it wasn't for this man pouring into his life and, and him being willing to receive it. How many of you know we can pour into people's life, but if they're not willing to receive it, then it's just falling on dead ground. How many of us are that way? People are willing to mentor us and pour into us and, and to love on us and help us walk through some really tough struggles in our life. And God's given us people with wisdom that can do that. And yet we turn our, our backs on them. We don't want to listen. I know everything. I'll be honest with you, that was me. If I could go back into when I, in my time in Miami and realize that how stupid I was and, and, and not listening to people, not listening to who God put around me. I still make mistakes and I still can be headstrong. God speaks and touches my heart and lets me know when I'm wrong. Chastise. I might, might want to mention, meet it all the time or understand that I'm wrong or admit it. But God, God has done that. Listen to what he says here. This is Christ and Acts, or them quoting Christ. It says, you are far happier giving than getting. How many of you on Christmas, it, but with your grandchildren or your children, it's more about the gifts you're giving them and see that joy in their life? Or maybe being able to seed into someone's life and help them through that process. Because you're giving into them. You're giving of their time. You're giving of your talents. So what's, uh, what's, what should we set our hearts on? Number two is set your heart on true riches. True riches that last forever. I'm not talking about finances. I'm talking about people. People around you that God's placed you in your home. People that God's placed around you at work or maybe school. Those are the true riches that God has placed. Why? Because he puts you in contact with them, not for you just to always have fun and goof off and, or, or to have a confidant, but he puts you around them to be able to point the way to Christ. He puts you in, around them that you could kind of lead them and mentor them and touch them for the Lord. That's the assignment he's got us here for. We're to go out and create disciples. We're to minister to those around us that are hurting and help those that are hurting. See, I think we, we offer an opportunity here on, on every week with our growth track. If you've never gone through a growth track, I want to encourage you to go through it. It's just three weeks. We have growth track step three today. But it, what it does is it, it fulfills our mission and the beginning of it to release into you something that God has that you can take to the masses, you can take to the people in your community and to your neighborhood. Our mission statement, which, is, which it backs up what we're doing in Growth Track, says our mission is to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Jesus. How many of you know that's a good thing? And how do we accomplish that in our vision? Well, that's our Growth Track. Help people know God. That's what our Sunday morning's about, Being, bringing people in to help them break the barrier down. If you don't know how to witness, you don't know how to share, be honest with you, I don't either sometimes. But you know what? The Holy Spirit does. Bring them into the presence. Let them come and listen to worship and those barriers begin to break down. It, it, help people know God. Find freedom. We, we serve a hurting world. Every one of us have issues that we haven't let go with or we deal with. And God wants to give, get our freedom 
with that. The third thing is discover your purpose. So many people I look at in life and have not discovered their purpose. They get another year older, and they're not seeking what God really has in store for them. So our hope through growth track and through that, you begin to find your purpose in ministry and what God has for you. And this is the last one, and I think it's one of the most important. As we bundle all that and we share and we pour into you, and the last one says, we make a difference in the world we live. How many of you make a difference? How many of you make a difference for Jesus? When was the last time you began to share your life or begin to share not just your life, but what God has done for you? That's all Christ is asking us to do. Share what God did for you. That's all you have to share with people. Sometimes I, I wonder if God did anything for us because we, sometimes we just sit there with, you know, like we've sucked on a lemon for so long and we, the joy of the Lord is kind of hidden. God, joy is supposed to bubble out and come out and roll out of us. God has something great in store for us. He's caused us to make a difference in this world. Listen to hear what he says in Luke. Whoever is faithful in small matters will be faithful in large ones. Whoever is dishonest in small matters will be dishonest in, in, will be dishonest in large ones. What he's, that, what he's saying here is that God trusts you with the income you have. He trusts you with your job and you want to get wealthy, you want to grow and be able to help other people, then you take what he's given you and he trusts into it. Pastor talked about last week the talents that God has given us. But God has blessed us financially, not so that we can hoard it and take it in and spend it on all stuff. Thank God wants us to use it some to help, you know, we do things, but he wants us to give back to others, to go and to sow into other people's lives and to make that difference. Verse 11 says, if then you have not been faithful in handling worldly wealth, how can you be trusted with true wealth? How can you be trusted with true wealth? It's all, really all about the people that God's put us in contact with. If I can have the worship team come up. My third point is, set your heart on heaven. You know, I think, my, I, I was thinking last night as I was going through this little bit, my, I think my grandparents got it at a, at a young age. I, I remember sitting in a church. Uh, my dad had pastored years and years ago before I was even a thought. And they would sing in my grandparents' church, and they would sing this song. Some of you might know it. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. See, what happens is when we allow things of our life and the troubles that sometimes we brought on, but sometimes that we walk into, all that to cloud us and all that to... to to make us feel uncomfortable and we don't allow margin in our life and we don't allow really to hear what God is saying to us, what we're really here is set our hearts on heaven. I said this from the beginning. Earth is our assignment. Heaven is our reward. It's our home. So when, we sing, when they sing that song, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus. We'll sing and shout the victory. Why is it a victory? Because we made it home. We made it home. We'll shout because of people that we had an opportunity to pour into their lives. We'll shout because of others that 
we've been able to touch. Yeah, I don't think my generation got that song too well. But I think we've forgotten why we come and we gather together sometimes. We need to be reminded. We, we lift up. We're looking for, so many of us are looking for a better now. And Jesus said, I'm preparing a better place for you. We try to spend our money for a better now instead of spending our time in his presence, spending our time with God for that, for that place that he's preparing. And that place he's preparing says there's no sorrows. So streets are paved with gold. There are no worries. People have no sickness. Thank you, Jesus. No cancer, no death. It's a place of rejoicing. It's a place where the Krispy Kreme hot and now sign on is on all the time. Amen? Every time I drive by there, I get a kick out of that. But, but that's the, the joy we have in that place he's preparing his home. I want you to listen to what Colossians says here. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. He's talking to us. So set your hearts on the things above. Set your heart on the things above. We get our mind out of the things of this world and the things that we have and get our mind away from our finances, get our mind away from our schedule, get our mind away from everything and set our minds on the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things above, not on earthly things. The problem that we have, church, with, with, with the breathing room in our life is that we've set our hearts and minds on earthly things. And what earthly things bring us is that destruction. It brings us that, that lack of peace. It brings us that lack of joy, that lack of happiness in our lives. Why? It's because that's, that's what this culture is about. The God of this world, the enemy, has done that. To why? To pull more people away from, from Christ's grip. To pull more people away. Give ourselves margin. Give ourselves victory by setting our mind on him, setting our hearts in heaven. When we do that, we begin to think of the things that God has blessed us with. We begin to share that, the good news with others. When we begin to do that, then we begin to see people come to know Jesus that have never had an opportunity to know him. Will you bow your heads with me? I want to challenge you this morning, church. No one looking around. Just ask everyone, just keep your heads down or and eyes closed. If you're here this morning and maybe you're just telling me that you're thinking, you know, my things are set on, that my mind and my heart is set on the things of this world. It happens with us at times. So, Pastor, I want you to pray with me that I begin to set my things and my mind on the things of heaven. If that is where you're at today or online with us, if that's where you're at, I just want to ask if you just raise your hand so I can keep you in my prayers. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Father, I thank you, Lord Jesus, that we can come into your presence, that we can live a life of joy and peace. You've granted it to us, that we begin to, to do and accomplish the things you've called us to do by keeping our eyes focused in on heaven. 
by keeping our eyes focused in on Jesus. Lord, I ask your touch upon each one that's here today. Everyone that raised their hand today, Lord God, they're being honest before you. Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, touch them right now. May they feel your presence. May they feel your, the need to draw closer to you. And we thank you, Father. I ask if everyone will just stand with me. I'm going to pray a little prayer. For those of you that are online and watching, I just want everyone to repeat it with me. Would you? Father, I thank you that I give my life to you and I surrender my needs to you. Today, Lord, I want my focus to be on you and on my home in heaven. Lord, show me those around me that you have put for me to minister to. And give me the strength, Holy Spirit, that I can step out of my comfort zone and touch them. Lord, we thank you today. Father, I pray over everyone that prayed that prayer, over everyone at home, Lord, seal in their hearts what their prayer went to them today. Seal in their hearts and begin to show them what you've called them to do. We thank you, Father. We give you the praise, the honor, and the glory today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Church, let's raise our hands these next few moments and let's worship and let's seal what God's done today.